allow him to work in our life, the better off it is for us, right? It's the best life. It's the best life there is. And you don't have to take my word for it. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? What's well, good to be in church tonight, isn't it? When I, I get notifications sometimes on my phone of things that are happening in other places, and when I got home this after the morning service, I, notification came up. It was a service going on in California, and people are meeting in their cars, and pastors up there preaching, and people are honking, their way of saying amen. I thought about maybe giving out little honkers to give everybody here. If you won't say amen, at least you could squeeze the honker every once in a while. But uh, but I'm just thought we, it's good we can meet together, amen. Just to worship together, it's a blessing. We're going to be in John chapter eight. If you'll be finding that in your Bible this evening, the Gospel of John chapter eight. While you're turning, let me just state the obvious, and that is that. I said it this morning, we're needed more than ever. I'm talking about we as Bible-believing Christians, sincere followers of Jesus. The world, Jesus said, the world hateth me, and it'll also hate you. So we shouldn't be surprised if the world is not on board with everything that we think is right. If we think what's right is what God says is right, then we're right, and uh, and we need to... We just need to be yielded to him and committed to him and serious followers of Christ. It, it never has been appropriate. It never has been acceptable. It never has been advisable for followers of Jesus to be nominal, half-hearted. It's just never, that's never in the Bible. Now, people may live that, but it's not in the Bible. We need to be, as Leon Kilberth said many years ago, when he was here, he's been in heaven for a lot of years now, but he said we need to be maximum Christians, not half-hearted Christians. And if you're here tonight and you're truly saved and you're just thinking, well, I've just been kind of coasting for a while and, you know, I haven't really been taking my spiritual growth seriously, then I want you to just take a look at these banners and recognize that it's high time that we awake out of our sleep because our salvation is nearer than it's ever been before. It's not a time for hitting the brakes and saying, you know, I'm just really, I'm going to be cautious. I don't want to be too fanatical about this. We just need to let Jesus have his way in our life and be serious about, aren't you glad he was serious about going to the cross? Amen. He was serious about his mission and he wants us to be serious about ours. And so I, I, I want to follow up on our Wednesday night message uh, on a, this matter of discipleship objectives. And we studied on Wednesday night, and, and I, I encourage you again, if you didn't, if you weren't here Wednesday night, that you uh, go online and find that message, because we talked about a very important objective in discipleship, and that is that a disciple needs to be established in who he is, in his new identity. You know, we're not the same people that we once were. We still deal with our flesh, but we're, new, we're a new creation. And old things have passed away. And Paul said it well, perfectly in Romans 7. I find a law that's present whenever I want to do good. Evil's present with me. We've got this battle going on inside of us. But, but sinners, we sin sometimes. But sinners is not who we are. We're saints. We're God's children. He has something better for us. And so, um, you know, when we think of discipleship sometimes, this is all just... Uh, kind of rambling, introducing the message. But we think of discipleship, we think of a series of lessons. And we have a 13-week series of lessons, Discipleship One, we call it. But the this objective of, of discipleship is not just to get through lessons. The objective is to find out who we are in Christ. And tonight we're going we're gonna to cover another objective and we'll begin in John chapter 8, and I'd invite you to stand with us if you would, please, if you're able to stand. Um, we're going to just read a couple of verses, just introduce the message. John chapter 8, verse 31. 
Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so what, what general objective are we going to talk about tonight? We talked Wednesday night, how about a disciple needs to be established in his new identity, who he is in Christ. And tonight I want to talk about how a disciple needs to be established in the Word of God. Because it's the Bible that sets us apart. We see that in the Scripture. Not just because we have a Bible. Not just because we even read the Bible. But because we try to live according to the Bible. And anybody who lives according to the Bible will be different than this world. So let's pray as we begin. Lord... Thank you again for allowing us to be here tonight, and thank you for the Bible that we have before us, as we were singing earlier about the blessed old book and these martyrs, the sacrifice that was made that we could have the Bible. We realize tonight that there are lots of places and lots of people who don't have a Bible, will never have a Bible in their lifetime, so we're grateful to have it. Tonight we pray that you'd help us as we study it, that the word of God would be, as the writer of Hebrews declared, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, please meet with us as we study the Bible, use it in our lives, challenge us to just to press into the word of God and see what it can do in our life. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus said to these people, um, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So a, a disciple is known by his relationship to the word of God. And if you, you know, you could just sit there tonight and kind of evaluate yourself as I evaluate myself. And ask yourself, how serious am I about the Bible? How, how much do I love the Bible? How much, do, how much does the Bible impact me? How much does the Bible change me? How much of my life is trying to be lived by the Bible? And if you grade yourself and you give yourself a failing grade, then tonight would be a good night to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn something from this lesson a disciple, according to the words of Jesus, take, don't take my word for it, take his word for it, continues in his word. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now the word continue means to abide or to remain or to dwell. We're to live what this Bible teaches. Now, um, Jesus, in John chapter 1, it says, Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word is talking about is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the living Word. And it says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Jesus is the Word incarnate. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And then it goes on to say in John uh, chapter 1 that, that by him came grace and truth. He brought us the word of God. And so, you know, you can't, you can't say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the Bible. He is the word. The word is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of God's truth. And continuing in the word means that we... The revelation of God is evidence of salvation because we're trying, we're just live, trying to live out the word of God. Now, unsaved people can't relate to that. If you're in John chapter 8, look here at a couple of places. Look in verse um, 43 where Jesus is continuing this very strong presentation of truth. Notice what he says to them in verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word, a person who's not saved cannot receive God's truth. 
You know, he said, you can't hear it. He's not talking about you. He's talking to them. They can hear his voice audibly, but they can't receive into their heart what he's saying because they're not his children. He says, you, you cannot hear my word. He goes on to say in verse 44, you're of the, your father the devil. But look down in verse 46. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? They, they could not receive the truth. They could not believe the truth because they're lost. You know, Paul wrote this in his epistle to the Corinthians that there, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they're spiritually discerned. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the ability and that may be you tonight. Maybe you're here, sitting here tonight. If you just really be honest, you don't. The Bible doesn't connect with you. you, you there's no, it doesn't really speak to you. It, you know. And and when I say speak, I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about God communicating to your heart through the Word of God. And you know, it's not because there's something wrong with the Bible. You don't need a different Bible to help you understand it. You need to be born again. That you that, that you would fall in love with this book. Because it's God's word. It's God's word. And um, so the unsaved, they can't relate to anything we're talking about tonight. But the word of God changes us. It regenerates us. Peter says we're born again by that incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. The word of God brought life to us. I can still see myself driving to work as a new convert. Um, I was 21 years old, and I had this, I'd gotten this little black uh, paperback New Testament, and uh, which after a while, I, I put it in my tackle box. I'd take it with me when I went fishing. That was my, that was my fishing Bible, and, um, which I don't fish anymore. But anyway, I can still see myself driving to work, and I, I don't recommend this, driving to work. And having, having my New Testament in my hand, and I'm driving, and I'm memorizing Scripture. I'd just gotten saved. But God's Word was speaking to my life. I, I fell in love. We read the New Testament in just a few days. I just loved this book. Here I was, a hippie, a druggie, a rebel, and now I'm driving down interstate. Highway 175 is going into Dallas and having this book in my hand that I'm reading. You know why? Because, because it, it changes us. It illuminates us. The entrance of thy word giveth light. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so a disciple has to take the Bible seriously. It separates us. Look, in, you're in John. Go to the right a little bit to John chapter 17, which is a pre a, prayer that Jesus prayed that's recorded in our Bible, one of the great passages of the Bible. And we're just going to look at a single verse, though, but it, because it speaks to this matter of what God does to us with the Bible. John 17 and verse 17, Jesus prays. Well, let's read verse 16 because verse 17 is connected to it. Verse 16, Jesus is praying to his Father, and he says, they, talking about us, they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And then he says this, sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word separates us. God's word sanctifies us. And we're to, we're to be guided by the word of God. Guided by his truth. Uh, go to Matthew, if you would, please. We're going to look up a, several passages tonight. Just We could quote this verse, but I just want to look at it together. One of my favorite verses of the Bible. Verse 4, Matthew 4, 4. This is when Satan is tempting Jesus. And Jesus is responding to every temptation with truth. By the way, that's a good way to respond to temptation. This is what God says. In verse 4 it says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live 
by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, if you take that verse seriously, if we take that verse seriously, it means more than just having a Bible. It means that we try to live by the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but he shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We're to live according to God's truth. You know, have you ever heard anybody say, maybe you've said it, it's hard to memorize scripture. And it is hard to memorize scripture, isn't it, sometimes? But you know what's harder than memorizing scripture is living scripture. Because that's what God's interested. That's, by the way, that's one of the reasons why we memorize it. We hide his word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119.9, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We need God's word in our life. But we're to live. Man not, man, we're to live by the word of God. Young person, you know, you, know how you, ought to, you know how you ought to learn to work when you get a job? By reading the Bible. It tells you what worth, work ethic looks like. You know how you should respond to your parents? How you should respect people in authority. You look in the Bible, it tells you. You can't look, in, you can't look at your friends and, and look at your own opinion and, and look at what your flesh tells you. No, look in the Bible. What does the Bible say? We're to live by the Word of God. That's what a disciple does. He wants to live by this book and nobody's arrived. None of us, is, none of us have finished the course. None of us are perfect at this, but every true disciple is wanting to live by the Word of God. How does God want me to raise our children? How does God want me to respond to my husband? How does God want me to live? We're to live by the Bible. What does the Bible say? That's what a disciple does. We're to live by the Word of God. I was reading some interesting passages, and I'm going to go to a place that may seem unusual to you, but go to the book of Ezekiel just for a moment. Uh, Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, one of the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. So go to Ezekiel chapter 20, and there are several references here in this chapter to what we're talking about. Ezekiel chapter 20. And God wants his people, God wants this this has not changed about God. In the Old Testament, God wanted his people to live by his word. And as a matter of fact, when Jesus quotes that, when he reads that and quotes it back to Satan in uh, Matthew chapter 4, he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone. God's always wanted this. Hey, if you have the idea that, that Christians just kind of, they go to church and they, you know, they read their Bible occasionally and they, they try to live a good life and that's all there is to it, you just need to get that out of your head because that's not taught in the Bible. God's people seek to live by the word of God. So let's look here in Ezekiel chapter 20. Real quickly look at a couple of verses. But notice, for instance, in verse, uh, verse 11. This is, God says, and I gave them, talking about his people, and I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments. Now notice this. Which if a man do, he shall even live in them. Doesn't that kind of sound like the same thing? He says, I, I, he didn't say I gave them my laws so they would know them. He said I gave them so they would do them. He shall even walk in them. In verse 13 it says, but the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. Notice this, this phrase, they walked not in my statutes and they despised my judgments. Which if a man do, he shall even live in them. In my Sabbath they greatly polluted. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them. In the wilderness consume them. Again, notice the emphasis on doing and living. Down in verse 21. Notwithstanding, well, no, look at 19 first. 
I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. Now verse 21. Notwithstanding the children rebelled against me, they walked not in my statutes. Neither kept my judgments to what? Do them. Which if a man do, he shall even live in them. When I'm reading that, I'm thinking about James's words. And we don't need to turn to that tonight. But James talked about, you know, that a faith, faith without works is dead. If your faith doesn't cause you to live a certain way, your faith is not real faith. Faith, real faith causes us to do, to live, to obey, to take his word seriously. And so our lives are to be lived according to the Bible. Living by the word characterizes real disciples. And I like the terminology. I like the, I like the emphasis on doing and living. Because doing and living is, is what we do. We live. It's not just what we do at church. It's not just church life. It's, it's all a life. It's what we do in our family. What we do with our friends. It's what we do when we're in school. It's what we do when we go to the job. It's, what we, it's our life. And our life is to live, be lived according to to the word of God. So whatever he says, we're to do it. Jesus said, you know, that we're to love our enemies. Jesus said it, we do it. Jesus said um, that you're to treat others, I'm paraphrasing, treat others like you want to be treated. Jesus said it, so do it. Just do it. That'd be a good slogan, wouldn't it? Somebody ought to come up with that slogan sometimes. Just do it. That's what we're to do. And, and it goes with it, it should stand to reason that if we're going to live according to the truth, we must know what the truth says. We have to get into the book. We have to read the book. We have to study the book. We're to read our Bibles. We're to study our Bibles. We're to learn our Bibles, but not just to know our Bibles, it's to do it, to live what we're supposed to live. And you know what? The more we live it, the more we believe it, the more God works in our life. I'm telling you why God's not working in some people's lives. is because they don't really believe what the Bible says. You know, that great passage in Paul wrote in his first epistle to the Thessalonians. He said, when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us. Paul said, I gave you truth. And when you heard it, then he says, you... You, you believed it. You received it. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. You know why some people come to church and they, they're, they're impacted by... It's not because of the dynamic of the preaching. It's, not because, it's because they believe what the Bible says. When the Bible's presented, they believe it. And that's, that's, what, a, that's what a disciple does. We're to walk in the truth. I, I want to go to the... Some other writings of John. We started in John 8, but let's go to the, the epistles of John. And let's begin in 3 John. Right at the back of your Bible, uh, just before Jude and Revelation, you have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Let's just, let's just notice this same writer, this same uh, human instrument, John, who said... You know, if you continue in his word, if you continue in his word, if you continue in his word, then are you disciples indeed. Let's just notice a few examples in his epistles. Third, let's look in 3 John verse 2. Got that? Page 316 in the Cambridge Wide Margin Bible. Beloved, I wish... Above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. He said, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be spiritually healthy. Verse 3, for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. You know, one thing to consider is the fact that when John wrote this, for a person, no one had a complete New Testament. People had bits and pieces of Paul's writings had been transcribed. 
had, had some of the Old Testament writings, but they didn't have anything like what you're holding in your hand. And yet John said, John said, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came, when, the, when people came and told me how the truth is in you. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? The truth is in you. And even as thou walkest in the truth. There's that phrase again, walking in the truth. That means we, you know, um, some of you will remember, not many will remember Fred Rohn, who was a um, layman, who was an evangelist, evangelized a lot. But he had this, he had a little a pen that he wore and he had this slogan that characterized his ministry. I think he was a car salesman, wasn't he? And this, this, the slogan that characterized his his ministry was the gospel in shoe leather. It's a good sl- slogan, isn't it? He, he walked in the truth. Walk it, could, would anybody say that about us? Would people report that about us? The truth is in them. They have the truth in them, and they're walking in the truth. And look at verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. They walk in truth. I want that to be said about me. I want that to be said about us, that, that you know, we, we're spiritually healthy, not, you know, not because we just know how to, uh, you know, dot every I and cross every T, and we don't, it's not just because we know the language, it's because that we're walking in the truth, and John says that he rejoiced greatly in that. He says, I, as my, matter of fact, he says, he says, verse 4, I have no greater joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that you made 20 free throws in a row. No, I have no greater joy in knowing you're walking in the truth. The Word of God is shaping your life and shaping your attitudes. That's what a disciple is. A a disciple is established in the Word of God. So I asked tonight, are, are are you a disciple? Are you continuing in God's word? Is God's is His truth in you? You say, how do you get it in you? By receiving it, by believing it, by appropriating it. You know, look in First John. We're in Third John. Look in another one of John's epistles, First John, chapter one. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. Verse 6, I didn't tell you verse 6, did I? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with Jesus, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and what? Do not the truth. We're to be doers of the truth. Not just hearers only, James said, but doers of the word of God. There in 1 John, look in, look in chapter 2 and verse for he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, that means they obey it, they practice it, they try to live by it. In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. You know, if, if you go to work, and I know many of you experience this, and so you know it's true. You go to work or maybe you go to the family reunion, you go to school, and you try to live by the Bible, people are going to notice that. People are going to notice that. They'll notice it by your language. They notice it by your character. They walk in the truth. We looked in 3 John and 1 John. Let's go to 2 John. We don't, we don't leave any Johns out. We got the Gospel of John, 1 John, 3 John, here's 2 John. 2 John, verse 4. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. We receive God's commandment and we live it. Look up here for a moment. When, when a person hears God's word and rejects it, there's something seriously wrong with that person spiritually. 
There's something wrong with that. It's not normal. It's not because God's children want, you know, I may try to live by something and, and you know, and fail. But as a disciple, I want to learn to live by the word of God. Doesn't mean we never fail. Never, doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. And by the way, this is a pretty high standard to live by. Wouldn't you agree? This is a pretty high standard. But you know what? It's God's standard and we want to live it. Because we're followers of Jesus, not because we're perfect, not because we're religious snobs, but because we believe in Jesus. We, we've trusted him, he, he saves us, and we want to obey him. And so a disciple is established in the word of God. So are you a disciple? Or, or, are you, or let me ask you another question. Do you want to be a disciple? Do you want to be a follower of Jesus? There's good news tonight. He's actually recruiting followers tonight. You can become a follower of Jesus right where you sit tonight. You can say, this is what I want to do with my life. I have one life to live. And I want to live it as a follower of Jesus. I want the truth in me. I want to get the truth in me. And I want to walk in the truth. And by the way, that's one of the, one of the things that makes this atmosphere important. I mean, where else can you go where this is emphasized, Right? Where where is you going to get that? You know, you're not going to get it in most places. New Testament, and, and we read in the Gospels, and we read in the the epistles, and we look at the ministry of Paul and the growth of the churches, and we we learn this. It was a setting where people would hear and learn and obey the Word of God, and that's what this is about: growing in grace. And by the way, not just in preaching, but even, go, go, go through who would to the book of Colossians. Even our music contributes to this. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We're in Colossians. Just going to look at an emphasis in Colossians chapter 3 about God's word, particularly as it pertains to music. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There it is again. The word of God in you, dwelling in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Now, I I know that sometimes we overlook this, but but the the music, the songs that we sing, the worship, it ought to be building us up in the Word of God, in God's Word. You know, it, you know, we all have our faults. I'm about to confess one of my faults to you. Write it down. It's not something, it's not a passing fault. It's something that plagues me. We all have our besetting sin. Here's a besetting sin of mine. When we're singing God's praise or the choir singing and people are just talking and distracted and laughing, you know what? They're, you're missing. It's not just about a song service and it's not just a kind of the, the warm-up for the preaching. No, it's a part of our worship. And it's to be edifying us. We're to be soaking up the word of God in music. It's the Bible. Did I just read you from the Bible? It's the Bible. And so we in this atmosphere, we 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 have Bible opportunities that help us grow in the Lord, help us, you know, and we have a lot of we provide a lot of them, not only in our church, but I mean we have Bible studies going on now. We have a group of men mostly that meet on Monday nights. We have the Hope on Friday night Bible study. We have people doing one-on-one discipleship. We have Wednesday night Bible study. We have Sunday, we're going to start Sunday school up right away. We're talking about that. We're, so we're working. You know, why, why do we need all this? Because this is what makes us who we are. This is what makes us who we are. We're able to learn we're able to grow. We're able to, to live according to the Bible. Why do we believe, like, for instance, this gathering is important? Why do we believe 
that we're to be faithful in our church attendance because what the Bible says. I mean, God's the one that said it. Go, go if you would to the right from where you are in Colossians to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. We don't just say, you know, we ought to be regular in church because it's a tradition. We ought to be committed to the assembly because we're trying to control people. No, that's not it at all. You know why we do it? Because God commands it. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 24. Let us consider one another. Hebrews 10, 24. And to provoke unto love and to good works. You know what you're to do for me? You're to encourage me to love and good works. You know what I'm to do for you? You know what you're to do for each other? Young person, here's something you could do as a teenager. Encourage your friends to love and good works. That's what the Bible says. Provoke one another to love and to good works. The sentence doesn't end there in verse 24. It continues into verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. We need each other. We need this. We need the, the spiritual encouragement we get from being around each other. So why do we do this? It's because it's for our good. God ordained it. We ought to do what we do because it's in the Bible. Why do we encourage each other to share our faith, to give out gospel tracts, to witness? Because God's word teaches us to do these things. Why do we encourage each other to be good stewards and to, to give the first fruits of, of whatever comes our way? The first fruit belongs to God. Why do we do that? Because God's word teaches it. And for a person to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm just gonna, not going to do that, then that's disobedience. I'm not going to be a witness. That's disobedience. And I, you say, well, you're just, you're just trying to put rules on us. No, I'm just trying to say a disciple wants to live by the word of God. And some people look at people of churches like ours and say, boy, those people sure are, they sure are different. They seem so serious about it. Every follower of Jesus ought to be serious about this book. Every one of us. And we ought to encourage each other to that end. You know, I see a lot wrong in our country. Maybe y'all don't see anything wrong with it. I see a lot wrong. I see something a lot wrong in our culture. And, and, and you know what? When we get together, it's not, un, not unusual for those of you who may not be a part of this, but usually we grieve about what's going on. We complain about what's going on. We decry what's going on. We cry, we, you know, the immorality, the disobedience, the corruption, it's everywhere. The wickedness of our culture. And it's true. And yet... Sometimes as Bible-believing Christians, we willfully disobey what God says in his word. And I want to tell you, that's hypocrisy. To cry out about a culture that's disobeying what's right, and yet we're living in disobedience. I mean, when, when a person who claims to be saved dismisses God's truth as being sort of non-essential, or somehow it's permissible for me... Not to live by the book. I'm telling you, you're, you've bought into something that's not biblical. There's not a person in this room. I, I don't know everybody here thoroughly, but I guarantee you what I'm about to say is true of every one of us. None of us have mastered this life. All of us struggle with our thought life, with our actions, with our responses, with our attitudes. I don't have to see it to know it because I know human nature but we are serious about following the word of God. And when we fall, we encourage each other. We lift each other up because we want to be serious about God's word. So our attitude toward God's word should be one of utmost respect. I'm not talking about the way we carry it or the fact that we don't set our coffee cup on it. I'm not talking about that, although we should be that way. I'm not talking about those of you who've put it on your roof of your car and driven off. And How many of that's ever happened to? Several. I'm not talking about respecting it in that way. I'm talking about respecting Shame on y'all, by the way. <laughs> this, this one bears the mark of coffee stains when I 
spill coffee on it. I'm talking about respecting it as God's word, as the final authority for our life, as the guide for what we think, how we believe, how we live, how we act. Let me go to one last passage. Go to the book of James, right after Hebrews. James, chapter 1. I also want to think about this verse as it pertains to this. Now again, I'm just, you know, there are many different ways to approach discipleship and we have some people right now that are going through in a, in a group, Discipleship One series. The first lesson is salvation. The second lesson is baptism. And they're in the second lesson on baptism. And so all these, all these are like pieces of the puzzle and they all matter. But this purpose of this short series of lessons is, is to say, you know, a disciple... Through all those lessons, it ought to shape our life. It ought to shape us in who we are as Christ, our new identity. And it ought to encourage us in our um, being established in the Word of God. And so th this short series just is to supplement all of that. But in James chapter 1 and verse 21, James writes, Wherefore... Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. We've got, to get, we've got to get this filthiness, this sin out of our life. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So, what does that mean, engrafted word? You know, engraft means to graft in. E-N-G-R-A-F-T. Engraft is to graft. I engraft in. We're to respect the authority of the Bible. We're to read and study the Bible. But we want to engraft it. Receive it as, as being engrafted. When, you know, when something is grafted in. When I think about that, I've, I think about skin graft. Or I think about uh, grafting that's done and and. Botany, is that plant life? When you, like, you, you graft a, one limb of a tree into another limb of a tree. But when the graft is successful, they even talk about this in um, transplants, if you have an organ transplant. When the graft is successful, it, it's functionally attached to the thing it's grafted to. Like in a skin graft, if you have a serious burn, then what they would do is they would take good living flesh from your body and they would graft it into that place where you've, when your skin has been, has been killed or, or damaged. And, and, it's, and if it's successful, it, it, it's engrafted. And what happens is that new, eventually that new skin becomes a functional part of your body. And actually, uh, blood vessels begin to grow through it, and, and it's a living part. It's, but it, it, didn't come, it wasn't originally on that place. It was grafted in. You follow me? So you graft in living new skin on this damaged part. And that's what he says in verse 21. He says, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. You need, to, you need to replace this and receive with meekness the engrafted word. By the way, meekness means it's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of humility. It's, it's receiving, you know, take any part of your life, any part of my life. Let's just say, let's just say a person has an anger problem. I'll say that because nobody in this church ever had an anger problem, right? So let's just say somebody has an anger problem. What are we supposed to do? Live our whole life in, in, with an anger problem? You know, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. 
So God gives us truth about our anger. There's much in the word of Proverbs about our anger. You know what we do? We take that part of our life that's not living up to the word of God and we engraft God's word into our life. So we start living what God says and just not what is our normal tendency, our normal inclination. And that's true about all of our lives. You say, well, I'm lazy. Well, there's a fix for that. Well, I daydream too much. There's a fix for that. Well, I lust too much. There's a fix for that. God's truth needs to be engrafted into our life until His truth is actually living in our life. We're living the Word of God and we're, our thought life is being changed and our attitudes are being changed. And it's not because we got religion. It's because we're trying to live the Word of God. So we engraft His Word into our life. And our, and our minds... You know, our minds You know, when we got saved, we didn't know how to think. I'm not talking about we couldn't add. We some maybe some of us, but we I'm just we didn't we thought selfishly. We thought corruptly, corruptly. We thought we didn't think right. But you know what? God can change. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. That we have the mind of Christ. We can think differently. We don't have to be selfish. We don't have to live that life. But it's a process. And, it's, and it takes time. And it takes effort. But that's what a disciple does. He's continuing in the word of God. And it's a lifelong process. I mean, the clo- those people closest to Jesus, they had their issues too, right? I mean, Simon Peter had a... He had a serious problem. He was, a, he was a godly leader, but he made a lot of, he said a lot of foolish things. I'm not criticizing him. I say a lot of foolish things. You know. But you know what? He was, he was, God was working in his life. He'd only, these people had only been followers for three years. Think about it. How can we be too hard on them? They were just, for three years, he'd been a follower of Jesus. So he, he made mistakes. But you know what? You know what Jesus did after Jesus raised from the dead? After, after Peter had denied him three times? He said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me? Said, Lord, you know I love you. Then he said, feed my sheep. He said, I got a job for you to do. He wasn't perfect, but he was growing. The word of God was becoming a part of his life. So we ought to be patient with one another, but we ought to encourage each other. Let's get in the book. Let's find out what the Bible says. Let's let his truth replace the way we think and the way we act. Lay apart all filthiness and those superfluity of naughtiness. And let's put the word of God, get the word of God in our lives. And you know what? It works. It does work. It's God's, it's God's plan. Now, Every once in a while when I'm riding in my vehicle, my truck, I, I listen to the radio, listen to news, and I hear these advertisements of, of hypnosis. Get hypnotized, you know, you can quit smoking and you can do all kinds of stuff. Don't overeat, get hypnotized. Wouldn't it be great if you just go see the doctor and he can put you to sleep and say a few words and wake you up and all of a sudden you're not going to sin anymore, you're not going to lust anymore, you're not gonna, it doesn't work like that. It'd be great, wouldn't it? It doesn't work like that. This is how it works. Number one, when a person gets born again, God comes to live within them. They still have the same corrupt thinking they still have many of the same habits. I remember that. But something happened on the inside that makes me not want to be that way anymore. It's called the new birth. So we just, it's a journey. And we walk by faith and we grow but we don't ever come to the place that we think, well, I know I'm not, I know that's not right, but I, you know, God, it's not important. You didn't get that from God. God wants us to grow in grace, become more and more like Jesus, and walk in the Word. 
Would it be something if somebody could say this of us, like John said, when they came to me from you and told me that the word of God was in you and you were walking in the truth, and John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. He didn't say that they're perfect. They're walking in the truth. That's, that's a disciple. And that's what the world needs to see in us. That we're serious about trying to obey the Lord and walking in truth. So if you're here tonight and you're saved, make, let's just say, I want to I be a disciple. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to live... In the word, by the way, this is how you follow Jesus by following the book, right? And if you're not saved, you ought to be honest enough and humble enough to say, I need, I need genuine salvation. I need to be born again because he's in the business of saving people, amen? And he could do that tonight. A disciple is established, growing in his understanding of who he is, and he's established in the Word of God. He's growing in the Word of God. Let's bow our heads together for prayer, okay? Our Father, there's a part of me, as you know, that just thinks, you know, we've been over this over the years many times, and I don't know how it affects other people, but it challenges me. Lord, I just want to be I want to be, I want the word in me, I want the truth in me, and I want to live by the word of God. And so I pray that you'd help us as your children, help us in our church family to take your word seriously. And Lord, to be committed to walking in the truth, continuing in your word. Help us not to be discouraged when we fail. Help us not to get too much down on ourselves when, we, when we're not living up to what we know we should be doing. But help us just keep pressing into the Word of God and pressing forward by grace for your glory. And help us to encourage one another in the process.